0: Did I interest you in a stamp?
1: Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple. One. Oh, I'm sorry, we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one.
2: Person hasn't got any
1: rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you got to buy.
2: Hi from the Postal Commemorative Society Headquarters, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit profit 501 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. You can support this witless tosh by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership, and you get a really cool membership certificate. Listen to the end credits for information on how to join. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. And uh, the reason why I am bringing up the Postal Commemorative Society is that I was at the Arcadia Stamp Show on Saturday. So I was at the Arcadia Stamp Show this Saturday in Arcadia, California. And uh, Ray Martin, shout out to Ray and Glenn of Quality Philatelic, they were... Taking apart a collection of postal commemorative society books, and probably everybody has seen them. They may you may not know what I'm talking about, but these are the two post books from the postal commemorative society. They have first day covers that are mounted on like cardstock pages that talk about the cover. And uh, you see uh, all sorts of stuff. You see them, you know, with an Olympics theme and a space theme. And they're also the ones who make the plastic folders where you slide the stamps uh, on the pages inside of them. So I've always kind of wondered how much these cost because, you know, they come up and they're not worth very much. You know, a lot of people won't buy them at all. But, you know, sometimes so... I have here one of the examples and this is the um, state animals, the state birds and flowers and also the state uh, animals. And so there are 50 of them and they cost $5.75 per cover. Hmm. So that means when you see the state birds and flowers set you're looking at two hundred and thirty dollars that somebody paid for it right now i don't know what you pay for them but when i see them when i see them i will pay twenty dollars if it's not addressed for a set i think that it's remarkable because i again didn't know how much these were that how bad an investment these were. Right, Going from $235 down to $20. This is 1992 issue, so it's 1992 money.
1: But people didn't buy that as an investment. People bought it because it was something fun to play with and something
2: that they collected. Yeah, but $5.75 each cover. You know there There are
1: certain people like Mark easter that that run the market for uh, what are called promotional stamps, and those promotional stamps are the ones that are used for these kind of first date covers and souvenir covers. Mm-hmm. And when they're when w- one of these publishers wants to do this, they they call somebody like Mark Easter and they say we we need five thousand stamps for this, and we're willing to pay a lot more than just the face value of it. So for a temporary part of the time, a stamp that basically anybody else would pay 30 percent of, 30 to 40 percent of face value for, and all of a sudden is now worth paying, um, paying one and a half times face value for the stamp because they're going to use it for a cover. Okay,
2: so they're paying thirty-five cents instead of twenty-two cents for a cover. Well, and then selling it for five dollars and seventy-five cents.
1: Now, my, my my mother, who's been dead now, been dead now for some years, she was a collector of first-day covers, and she didn't she didn't now a lot of the first-day covers she made were her she made herself and she addressed them, so they're absolutely worthless. But she did it for fun.
2: Okay, well, hold on here, nineteen ninety-two Olympic game international first day covers uh they made the and again this is like a two post binder and the cards are like a card stock card with all the writing on it um so this right here and they issued it at the beginning so they say in it that they don't know how many there are going to be but I believe there were about a hundred of them, something along those lines. So here's what it says. Please enroll me as a subscriber to the 1992 Olympic International First Day Cover Collection. The collection will consist of approximately 80 to 100 international first day covers, depending on the number of participating countries. My price per cover is just $6.75, Asterisks. Covers will be shipped at a rate of three per month. A custom collector's album will be provided at no additional cost. Um, At the bottom, then, it says the asterisk, plus any uh, applicable sales tax, and $0.50 per cover shipping and handling so actually it's seven dollars and 25 cents per cover mm-hmm. 7.25 per cover and i've seen these olympic books have you seen any
0: uh, i've seen similar stuff yeah where the packaging is 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 more
2: viable than the stamps inside well well that brings me to this one which is This is a collection of official official U.S. Thomas Jefferson commemoratives. And this is one of the plastic ones. If you remember, you know the plastic folders. Mm -hmm. So this is a three-fold plastic folder. And the first one has a bunch of Thomas Jefferson stamps. The second one has the 29-cent Thomas Jefferson stamps commemorative stamp, which is what they were um, advertised. In it, does this have a coin in it? Yeah, this has a coin in it also. So that cover has a medallion. And then it also has three Jefferson nickels and a Jefferson $2 bill. So you know face value maybe a buck and a half two dollars worth of face value then a two dollar bill and then 15 cents in coins so uh so th- this uh collection of official u.s thomas jefferson commemoratives and i've seen these before these are running around i have enclosed a checker money order for 21 dollars. please bill me for additional monthly installments of $21 each. So there were two additional charges. This was $63. Mm -hmm. And I see them all over the place selling for like about 10 bucks. Yeah. And I just had no clue as to what these guys originally cost. Um, Here is the 1992 duck stamp, first-day-issue folio. So I'm not exactly sure what a first-day-issue folio is, but it's got the uh, 1992 duck stamp, and then it'll also have a $0.29 postage stamp on it. Cancelled. And uh, let's see... uh, It says, a mint-conditioned specimen of the colorful 1992 duck stamp, protectively encased to guard against dust and fingerprinting, a stunning reproduction of the original artwork, a one-day-only postmark bearing the first day cancel, fascinating narrative, and uh, a magnificent presentation folio, which is one of the little... Black plastic folders. So uh, the stamp has a face value of fifteen bucks. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put this to mark. What do you think this thing they charge for this?
0: Ooh, forty-five dollars.
2: postal money order for twenty-eight dollars. And I will be billed an additional $28 at time of shipment. Ah. 56 bucks.
0: hmm But when you get them, they're really handsome. I mean, they're, they, they look nice. They feel nice. They're attractive.
2: And, you know, one thing, like uh, Albert said, they really don't say anywhere on these that they're investments. They're just really super expensive first aid covers. They're souvenirs. Yeah, but they are incredibly expensive. And I never realized how expensive these guys were.
1: Some of these, I've seen ads for some of these things in the last 25 years in Reader's Digest and in, uh, and in other magazines that, that I've run into. And I've just said, I've just said, this is they're they're selling to they're they're selling to the great unwashed masses that that don't understand that first aid covers are, when you resell them have very little value. I I'm sure you've been to more than one collector's house, and uh, um, or you know they find out that you're a stamp dealer or something, and the first thing they have to dig out is something, and they say, you know the gold sta- the gold foil stamps, and they're so proud of them. And
2: what did they pay per gold foil stamp? I don't know, but in, I would say ten or fifteen dollars at least each. No, I don't think they were that high. But I mean, but, but these these are just first day covers. These are normal first day covers. They come on a nice presentation page, and they send you a quote unquote free binder. All for if you if you buy a if you buy this much stuff from me, I'll send you as many free binders as you want. <laughs> I was very surprised at finally knowing how much people were paying for these and seeing how much they are. And also an interesting thing is, you know, they're all addressed. Typically um, you want them unaddressed. And now I know why they're addressed is when they send them to you, they send them to you in an envelope with a window on it, a large window and the address shows through the window so there is no additional addressing that is needed. They literally are using the address that is printing printed on the first day cover. So I'm kind of curious as to how they get unaddressed first day covers. <laughs> you know, it, it's probably a kind of rare thing.
1: Well, is why have y- you ever been have you ever been to a first day cover event? Yes, okay, then you should know because the, no, nothing that you present. I, the first one I went to was the Gershwin stamp in 19, I guess 1971. I actually would I actually cut cut school. I was going to UCLA at the time and because they had the event in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. And there were all kinds of cachet makers and all kinds of all, I bought a couple of things that were that looked nice. One was on fake parchment that had some of Gershwin's music on it, so I put a Gershwin stamp, and they canceled it with the first day cancel. It was unaddressed, and I'm and the deal I know with the with the postal service was. Um, as long as you put the um, the, the proper postage, with it, which in 1971 was 13 cents, they would cancel it. It yep. didn't have to be addressed. But if you wanted to mail it afterwards, you could actually write an address on it and put it into a special box, so they wouldn't have to cancel it. It would it would right. go in with canceled mail.
2: No, absolutely, yeah.
1: And I I just thought it was really a lot of fun, um, but I did but I did find out very quickly when I got in the got in the stamp business into the buying and selling end that that with the exception of very early cachet first day covers or something that's very very unusual uh, for instance uh, you paid a lot of money for a for a a number 10 first day cover canceled july 1 1851 oh yes i did and and that's a true first day cover and and those things still have tremendous value but as far as the average first day covers that my mom would send out, that we, she actually made one for each of the kids, thinking <laughs> that she'd give. So when when she died, uh, nobody wanted it, and basically they were they were they were totally valueless. Number six envelopes that had that went all the way back to the late fifties, and I just um, I just told her, I said, just remember you, you're doing this for fun.
2: Yeah, well, I yes. But looking at these books and, you know, Jim Forty, he gets a lot of phone calls of people who have collections and he accumulates quite a few of these. As a matter of fact, Ray Martin had two banker boxes filled with these and he was taking the covers off the pages because it was so bulky. He, he was throwing the cover uh, the pages and the binders away. And you know, going around saying, Does anybody, you know, want to give me anything for these first aid covers? And Joel, who buys everything that's a cover, said, Nah, I'm going to pass on those.
1: <laughs> well, it's, uh, I, I can only say that, that you're paying as much for the cardboard and the lining and the fancy artwork and all that, which they, yeah, uh, somebody had to do it. Oh, yeah. now, Somebody was paid to do
2: it. But I don't, I don't. But a binder. Uh, With, they tend to have like 40 covers in it. So a binder with 40 covers in it is, what, $280?
1: Yes, and people are so disappointed when when they show it to you and you figure it, you say, I sell these covers for like 25 cents each and I pay nothing for them.
2: Yeah, (laughs) and I sell them for 25 cents each. I have them priced at 25 cents each. oh no <laughs> we rarely
1: do they sell um i went i went with um, with um, a friend of the program jim 40 to look at a to help um go through an estate and the lady was so proud she picked out she had found some more boxes of 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 what she th- said were stamps well they were mostly box they were boxes of covers just like that yeah and um I thought Jim was very, very nice to, to, to try to explain to her that they just have no resale value because nobody wants them. Yeah. The 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 the, 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 uh, the fragrance or the or the delicious aroma of the covers was when you got them first from whatever the issuing body from the post office from the company,
2: Postal Commemorative Society. I mean, well, I could bear a lot of this stuff too. You know, you go to the movie, you see the Star Wars movie. And you enjoy the Star Wars movie. You don't afterwards look for what the resale value of watching the Star Wars movie is. You got the enjoyment out of it. Understand totally. But it costs, you know, if you go to an expensive place and you get popcorn and a drink, uh, you know, maybe you're into that Star Wars movie for 20 bucks. These books are like $250 and you bring it to a stamp dealer and they go i'm sorry i am not interested at all they are too bulky and they don't sell
1: well the way i would just compare it is is it, it's their hobby i mean um, you i grew i grew up on a golf course and uh and if you're a golfer um, you pay a lot of money for the golf clubs mm-hmm. and the balls mm-hmm. and the lessons mm-hmm. and then and then just and and each time each time you're paying the green fees you're paying a very cheap course would be like $35 for a round and sometimes like if you're pay- if you're if you're at some place you're paying
2: $5,000 so yeah i i totally understand what you're talking about it's just to me except, well you know what the, the biggie is is the people assume that they have a lot of value because they paid a lot of money in it. When you play golf and you buy a bunch of clubs, you know what the resale value of your used clubs is. Very very low. Yeah, you're right. Um but there is a resale value and you're, you know, you're going into it with open eyes. Yeah. I have a re- funny the feeling the- a lot of these people didn't go in with open eyes.
1: But in the ads that you have there, Do 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 they say any word that it's an investment?
2: Yeah, no place. Uh, As a matter of fact, after the fact, after I started looking at it, I was looking at it. it, They say it's very attractive, and they say you know a bunch of stuff, but no place do they actually say it's an investment.
1: When I was 18 years old, I got hooked into some into collecting supposedly collector porcelain plates. (laughs) that were being that were being sold by something called the Bradford Exchange very and was, familiar and I was paying 35 or 40 dollars a plate so I bought a whole series of plates commemorating Lafayette, and they were made in a very fine place in in Limoges, France, and all that. And I pay. I have six of them, and I still have them. I never threw them away. They were they were in my parents' house until we we my parents died, and then I picked them up, and I haven't thrown them away. But I recognize now that those plates are worth about five dollars each, maybe. Yep. And mm-hmm. I paid for that in 1971 money, which is real money in those days. Yeah. And but,
2: oh let, they, me, let me bring no, something. There up. was no
1: investment in there. Yeah, they just said they're beautiful and they're pretty right. and attractive, and I did get by a set of plates and give them give them to somebody else one year, and they were very happy to get them and they put them up on their walls, and so in that sense they did their purpose of,
2: you yep. know. Oh, uh, just uh, when you said 1971, a thing popped into my head. We got a um, email from one of the listeners. And it was a listener who was listening to the last podcast about, um, buying, um, prestige items or buying your expensive stamps now and your cheaper stamps later. You know, I was talking about the strategy of buying and he said, where is the line for like better items and quote unquote cheaper items? And I did want to bring this up today. Um, And it popped into my head when you said 1971. In 1971, a U.S. number one catalog, $67.50. In 1971 dollars, that's just a shy more than $500. It's like $512. Do you think today... Since we're talking about, you know, not being investments and stuff, do you think today that an expensive item is $500 and up, or do you think that that's – where do you think the line is?
1: In many cases, it's the key stamps of, a, of an area. So in U.S. airmail stamps, the key stamps are the C-13 to 15 Zeppelins, and then some of the – and basically the C1 to 6 and to a lo- much less much much lesser extent a C18
2: so well a C18 right now realistically a mint never hinged C18 you could probably get for 50 bucks
1: mm, if it was a 90 it would be a little
2: bit more oh no if it was a 90 or a 100 or a 98 I'm, or something oh, see cuz normal one when
1: you're trying by key items it's there's two sides about key. It's the highest valued thing in, a, in an area. So if you, you collect U.S. airmails, which are the stamps you're going to pay the most for? But it's also the best quality. So the best quality nowadays, especially if they're going to buy it with the strategy of buying the most expensive stamps first, is buy something that's been graded.
2: Uh, that's- I totally understand where you're coming from, but I'm trying to more answer his question, which is where is the line between... Expensive items and cheap items. I'd, I'd put it at $50. Oh, I think 50 is way too low. I, right? w-
1: I was going to suggest somewhere around $250.
2: Well, it, realistically, an auction will not auction off an item unless it's at least $150. So they're expecting a minimum price on an auction lot of $150, and they don't like doing that.
1: A- actually, most of the major houses now, a lot average has got to be somewhere around Four to five hundred dollars, yeah. if You can sign to them. Well, yeah, but I mean, yes, there's. They'll take small, beautiful things that are going to bring less, but it's got to be. It's got to be beautiful. Yeah, you know, something mm-hmm. that really dresses up the catalog, like, uh, like a let's say a let's say a ninety-five graded used, beautifully canceled number eleven. That's we've yeah. seen. We've seen some of those bring six, seven, eight hundred dollars if it's a beautiful stamp and it grades ninety-five or above. So you have to be really careful. It's that's why I recommend grading, because grading is grading is the the first wave the first wave of investments, everybody got PF certificates basically. Well the the second the second time around, I think PF certificates have some value, but the graded certificates that every that, there's basically the PF and then there's PSE. And frankly, PSE has proven that their certificates, that stamps with their certificates, realize more on average than stamps that just have a PF graded cert.
2: Yeah, but it, again, when we go back to the 1970s, and um, uh, in the 1970s, you also you had PF and you had uh, PSA.
1: No, you had. Uh, what you was had, the other
2: one? Yeah, you had, uh, you, had the, you had the APS. Yeah, no, it wasn't APS. It was uh, the philatelic. Society P, it, it was PSA, wasn't it?
1: No, anyway, you're 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 talking about the old society in the South. Yeah. Yeah. Those certificates were never considered of any value.
2: Oh, okay. Because I remember in like the 1980s, good stamps had PF certs because they checked them for faults. And one of the biggest problems with quote, and I'm using my finger quotes here, investing is you want clean items. Back then, they didn't have grading. So, you know, you had to use your eyeball and say, what well, did it have four margins, was it well centered and stuff? But they wanted to make sure it had no faults. And so you had a lot of stamps with 1980 PF certificates and stuff, just really spectacular looking. And they had them to show that not only did it look spectacular, but it had no faults. I think that uh, that's one of the biggies is to have no faults. And here's why. And I know I've gotten over it before, but I I was uh, dealing with it with a person on the phone today. You have just name any stamp that catalogs $500 and it's nice looking. Okay, so you have a nice looking stamp that catalogs $500 and it's got a tear. So, a nice-looking $500 stamp, let's say it's worth half-catalog, $250, anybody would buy it for a half-catalog, it's a done deal. But now, so, you're probably making a bargain at $250, because it's a nice-looking stamp. Now it has a tear in it. Where is it supposed to be? Is it a half-catalog stamp? At half catalog, it's not a it's not a guaranteed winner anymore. You know, at ten percent, it's is, not
1: even a winner at ten percent. Sometimes,
2: yeah. So, you, you as soon as you have a fault, you have a piece of information which you cannot determine the value of, and that's one of the killers for having an investment in something and so that's why the pf was so incredibly important in the 1970s and 1980s and it
1: still is today one of the reasons the pf was so much more important then than it is now is simply everybody in the stamp business the the business w- was run from new york there were people who a large part of the large part of the, large part of the dealers and the auctioneers were based in new york and you had you had it was easy to get Ten or twelve people to come in and sign on on to basically render opinions on it. One of the problems, one of the problems right now is is that the um, the, the stamp trade now is basically nationwide, and New York is not such a big deal. Um, there are many fewer experts that come in to sign and sign there, and uh, and criteria has changed. I mean, we've become over the last forty years we've become much tougher about about. Analyzing condition of a that, stamp. we
2: absolutely have. We absolutely have done that.
1: Uh, the perfect example of that is um, Superior Stamp and Coin Company in Los Angeles. For many years, tried to sell a, uh, a allegedly unused um, twenty-four cent one forty-two banknote grill, uh, and it had a nineteen fifty-eight PF certificate. But by but by the but but, but by the early nineteen eighties, first of all the auction house would not offer it uh subject to a new certificate and a couple of times it sold for allegedly over a hundred thousand dollars but it didn't really sell and then eventually the stamp finally after after the after uh, there was a turnover in the ownership of of uh, of superior stamp and coin company um the stamp finally got expertized and it got a it got a removed cancellation certificate it was a genuine grill but it was it went from being a hundred thousand dollar stamp to basically being about a two thousand dollar stamp
2: well the uh i I, it was definitely pre-covid but i don't know how far pre-covid it was uh h.r harmer had an auction and a person had a u.s number two mint no gum with a pf certificate from 1950 something and so you know this is 2016 or 17 somewhere around there and it's got garbage price and the owner said why did it sell so cheap you know it, it got a garbage price and you know we're sitting there going and you know i'm representing pse because i work here but it's like, well, you had a 1954 cert. Today we have VSE machines. You could have sent it to the PF. You could have sent it to PSE. We would have stuck it in the VSE and seen if it had a remove-cancel. And if you had an updated cert, you would have gotten real money, or it would have said remove-cancel, and you know, it would have sold for the price that it sold for. So whoever bought it you know, was taking a risk, a big risk, that it really was an unused stamp.
1: Some of the some of the earliest. Uh, so the Admiral Harris Hawaii sales that Harmer Rook had were in the late 40s and early 50s, and some of the some of the Hawaiian missionaries that were in the uh, that were in the Honolulu Advertiser sale in 1995. The last time they had been expertized was in 1948, 49, 50, 51. So everything had, everything had to be looked at as as if they were just, yeah. they, they hadn't been authenticated. Now, luckily, because the stamps had, had had such a long provenance, and we could actually trace the provenance on a lot of these stamps to sometimes 8, 10, 12, 15 different owners, um, and we could look up in the auction catalogs when they were sold back in the twenties and thirties and forties, what they actually looked at looked like um, it was we didn't have a pro- we didn't have anything that came back fake mm-hmm. but it but we certainly mentioned more things that were wrong with the stamps than had been uh, that had been mentioned i I remember that somebody said, "Oh, I bought this in the casperi sale," and I said, "The problem in the casperi sale that's the famous collection of Al- Alfred Casperi that was sold between 57 and 1959 in Harmers and brought nearly three million dollars. Um, that many of these stamps, now that I've now that I've actually seen them in person, they're not they're not just plain superb. They're superb looking with et cetera, Small little problems that we now we mention.
2: You you bring up a good point there, um, and this is something that we've wanted to talk about for a while. What's some advice that we can give the listeners when they are submitting stamps to either PSE or PF or APS or PSAG or anybody? What are some um, pieces of advice that we can give them to save money on their certification fees? Because quite frankly, nothing stings worse than paying a minimum like $35 for a certificate on a stamp, which comes back and is worth a nickel,
1: well, it depends on what they're submitting. If they if they found a one cent green stamp and they think it's a five ninety four or five ninety six, please show it to somebody who's a friend of theirs that's knowledgeable that can at least look at it carefully, so that you can save the submission fee.
2: Oh yeah, we we get those in, and uh, Marina, I'd say eighty percent of the time, because she still misses some. And she'll put them on my desk, and I'll charge them the five-dollar uh, identification fee because we still got to mail the damn thing but, but, back to them. No, <laughs> I, but I they're paying five dollars instead of twenty-five dollars. Last week, I last week
1: I looked at a couple of I looked at a couple of Canadian Jubilee issues, and they were literally cut out of an auction catalog, perforated and gummed.
2: Well, that's different. That's somebody who's faking something. So you know. I, I, no, but I'm
1: sure the submitter bought them as real yeah and uh, so the first thing I would do before I submit anything is i'd I'd have one I'd have a philatelic friend that had some knowledge and um and we'd give him the submissions and say, Would you please take a look and make sure that at least these look like the right stamps and wonder
2: if you don't have a philatelic friend
1: well, just just submitting
0: stamps that um, like, uh, uh, like are, are the best out of your collection is a – it could be a positive learning experience because if they come back and there's faults and, and stuff like that that are identified, um, then you can look at the stamp and identify the fault yourself and see what you missed. And so the next time you do a submission, you'll know, oh, I need to look to make sure that, uh, that none of these perfs has a thin – you know where it's going to be called out on the certificate or, the, or that there's a uh, that, that there's a crease on the surface that uh, that doesn't show on the back
2: so so you're you're learning from your mistakes let's try to save them from having to make the mistake in the first place
1: the best way to save the mistake is to buy something that's already been certified and has a new certificate, a new certificate, a relatively new certificate when you buy the stamp.
2: Yeah, but we're trying to save them money on their certification because, uh, just like uh, you I, said, you may, let's say you have a US number 570, grade 98, mint never hinged, you're paying a bunch of money for that. If you see it in a dealer stock without the certificate, and you go, hey, I think that's a grade 98. It looks never hinged. You know, I can get this stamp for 125 dollars, and it's going to be worth a thousand. How do we help those people?
1: I think that anybody has to improve their technique at examining stamps. They have to learn. Um, when a professional buys stamps, they um, they go through it. They go through procedure. Um, every time they will dip the stamp in watermark fluid and watch it. Watch carefully how it dries. They'll also know what original gum, for instance, on in this five seventy, what the nineteen twenty two issue gum looks like, and they'll look carefully to see if the hinge mark has been brushed or the stamp is regummed. Regumming frequently leaves a little bit of residue in in, in either the wells or the perforation
2: holes or on the on the tips. Well, you brought up a good point. There is. Um I have said for a long time that wherever your break point is, and I think I increased my break point a bit. It used to be like $300. Now I think it's $500. If I spend more than $500 for a stamp, I want it to get either to get certified or be certified. I see so many people who buy a $500 stamp and forget about certifying it. They don't even dip it. They don't, you know, they'll turn it over, look at the back, and say, oh, yeah, this looks good, and then buy it. And I think, oh, my God, you're spending 500 bucks on something and not even checking it out. To me, that is something that people need to get in their head, that if I spend a significant amount of money, and, you know, a significant amount of money for Bill Gates is going to be totally different than a significant amount of money for my son, Sean. You know, my sunshine is going to heavily investigate a ten-dollar item. Bill Gates may poo-poo a ten-thousand-dollar item, but the thing is, is that you need to find where your comfort—you know, where your line is for what's expensive—and then you gotta, when you hit that line, you gotta check the thing out because stuff, stuff is repaired. There's
0: well, even just misidentified. I, I was. Uh, observing an auction uh, last week on a hip stamp. hip stamp does a a one penny auction on Thursdays where everything starts at one cent and then it sells for whatever it sells for. And there was a dealer that um, had some Confederate uh, issue stamps listed, and uh, they were all misidentified. And you know like the 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 one of the listings was for uh, i think you can get that number 9 which is the T-E-N mm-hmm. spelled out and it was clearly not the TEN it was just the 10 cent it was the i think it was the 11 or the 12 or something like that it was the numeral 10s right yeah and 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 people were bidding on it as if it was the the stamp that the dealer identified so you know that kind of stuff you can't i, I don't know how you fix that because you know the you've got to have uh you've, you've got to have some familiarity with the stamps that you're buying, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna bid on this stuff and and you know it's it's you know I mean it, it it's it's bad that the dealer misidentified the stamp but also as a buyer you know you need to take some responsibility.
2: For yeah, we we'll wonder if the buyer takes the stamp, puts it in his collection, right? And two years later, somebody goes, oh, this stamp's in the wrong spot, and they go, oh my god. I paid a bunch of money for that stamp. Yeah. You mean that stamp is a $10 stamp and I paid uh, $1200 for it?
1: Couldn't <laughs> you couldn't you send an email to um, Hip Stamps and tell them the stamp that they're selling is incorrect?
0: Uh, it I I suppose uh, that's possible, but I mean there's you know, it happens every week, you know, where where a
1: stamp will be, you
2: know. Yeah, well, you have such a short amount of yeah, time. I, I mean, anyways. I
1: just don't have I just don't have the interest to to I would say one of the reasons why I don't really look very often on eBay anymore on hip stamps is, is that I'm afraid, I'm afraid that um, I'm afraid that unless it's got a certificate already, mm-hmm. that, that half the stuff that they sell is going to come back. I mean, I bought a couple stamps from each of them and and each one of them didn't dip right and I had to return it and say, one guy insisted I get a certificate on it. I got a certificate that mentioned a large thin spot and I got my money back. But you know, until I got the certificate, they had my money for a couple of months. Right, and I get I get annoyed about that a lot.
0: Yeah, and and you know you can't you can't expect that the people that work at Hip Stamp are philatelists, because uh, the 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 Hip uh, Stamp industry also has Hip Comments and Hip Comics and 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 something else. I think you know maybe coins or something. So the they're you know they're technology people. They're not they're not collectors. So if you were to I would think
1: that anybody, any company that was into selling stuff should have minimum standards. There should be somebody doing reviewing of everything. We
2: get phone calls here at PSE from eBay because clearly eBay doesn't have a stamp collecting guy. But they get on the phone, they call us, and they say, hey, you're a stamp collecting guy. Tell us what's going on here. And we'll say, yeah, you're probably dealing with, you know, a misidentified item, or you're probably dealing with an item that's overpriced, or a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, uh, whenever a person list, you see a whole bunch of one cent Franklins listed for stupid prices. You know, one cent Franklin stamp, one hundred thousand dollars. There's nothing against that on eBay, but as soon as you say U.S. number five ninety six, then I get on. The email to Stefan and say, "Hey Stefan, this stamp, this stamp, this and this. Uh, these guys, these are all misidentified. But if you, it, well, uh, there was a two cent, nineteen oh two. Actually, I think it's what nineteen oh eight. The two cent Washington coil, uh, number three fifteen or three fourteen. I mean, Washington second. shield. Yeah, the shield. Yeah. Um, person put down the number.
1: No, oh, three sixteen.
2: Three sixteen. Put down the number." And it's like, that's not a number 316. And it got taken down. But if they just say two cent Washington Shield coil, it can't do anything. It's If you put a Scott's number, then they can hit you. If they don't put the Scott's number, they can't do anything. So you can charge $50,000 and just say, really nice stamp. Look at this. Very valuable. And have nothing describing it. And it's perfectly 100 percent legal to do that on ebay you say use number 596 and it's not boom it gets taken down
1: well i i see some truly absurd prices on things that
2: are that have absolutely very minimal value yeah less than a hundred dollars oh i see stuff that's worth a nickel now what, priced at thousands and thousands of
1: dollars so Take that one-cent Franklin stamp that's priced at $100,000. If it doesn't sell, where does eBay make any money? Just the listing fees?
2: Well, that's the thing is that eBay, if the person has a store, honestly makes $0 off that stamp. Because they they have... And it makes their website look trashy.
1: It does make it look trashy. It makes people like myself who are serious, just very frustrated and just, I don't want to mess around with it.
2: Well, pre-COVID, and it never... Happened. um, They were speaking about it. Is that there was going to be a certain price level where above that it had to have a certificate, and everybody yelled and screamed. They go, "No, no, you can't force you know people to buy certificates and all this stuff." And you know because you know I'm kind of on the in at the time. This was pre-COVID. It never went in during COVID because everybody got kind of booted, laid off, and working out of their house. But it never went into effect. The price was going to be relatively high. It wasn't going to be like, you know, you sell a stamp for $300. It's got to have a certificate. It was going to be like $10,000. If you price a stamp over $10,000, it has to have a cert. And so it gets it off that beginning page. It gets it so it doesn't show on the first page. Because mm-hmm. if you have a stamp, the if you have a one cent f- Franklin that is worth five cents and you're putting it up for $25,000, you're over the $10,000. It's got to have a cert. So realistically, you listed at $9,999.99. That's fine. That's on page 400. You know, that's on page 47. People don't see it when they pull up stuff. But the problem is, you know, and I used to always look at the first two pages of the high value stuff, and if there was bogus stuff on the first two pages, I'd you know, send an email, and then they'd you know make a decision. Uh, but like I said, right now you have a couple stamps up there; they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. It says Franklin stamp.
1: I would I would say that one of the things that if you don't have a stamp friend is there is a lot of literature and resources now available on the web that that you had to own the books before, but now you can actually. Get on the web and access them. I know you can access the AP, APRL, the American Philatelic Research Library's website, and I know that d- there are different people that maintain websites um, for different stamps. Like there's a guy that maintains one for uh, uh, three cent and one cent, fifty-one to fifty-sevens uh, plating. He, they have plating photos in there, and uh, that would be that would be very very helpful. Now I'm talking about. Now, with early American stamps... Um, Albert, we're way out of time. Oh, never mind. We'll talk about this another time.
2: Actually, you want to know something? Why don't we talk about this next week? I would love to continue this conversation next week, because I think we're hitting I didn't know. A... We,
1: I didn't know we were way, way out of time.
2: Oh, don't we? He, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we do this next week? Why don't we continue on with this? What, what I really like about having
1: this here, and the privilege of it... No. Well, am I talking Am I talking to be recorded, or am I talking because you said you want I don't know.
2: It depends when I'm editing. Oh, okay. Um, well, we can talk about this next week, because that would be fine. Yeah, because, you know, we could easily talk for another half an hour on this stuff, uh, and I think that it has value. Tune in next week for part two. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including
0: our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120.
2: You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter oh well you could you could yeah you could yeah well kids that's all the time we have for today i'd like to thank sideshow mel corporal punishment tina ballerina oh and from not planning miss donna mills oh she was a sport we've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun but now the time has come To go. If this Silcon was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven, still doing this show. See you some other time. (laughs) Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.